guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. We have, as you would expect for something like this, because last night was the Academy Awards, or this past weekend was the Academy Awards, we are just real quick giving you uh, kind of a best and worst of, you know, Academy Award winning uh, movies for us, not necessarily in any particular category, but what each of us will do is give you a best Oscar winning moment uh, for each of us and a worst Oscar winning moment for each of us. So, you know, it might be a best screenplay or best costume or even an actor or an actress getting an award. And, you know, we're just going to give you our in general top and lowest moments each. We are going to start this off today with Heather. Give us your yeah. best. Sorry. Best. I probably should have said that. Yes. We're going to do best first and then worst. So, uh, Yes, Heather, start us off. What is your best Oscar winning moment? Best Oscar winning moment for me. It might be cliche, maybe not. For me, I'm choosing Heath Ledger, um, supporting actor um, in 2009, I believe. That for me was, it was not only awesome because they did that tribute to him, because obviously he had already passed by the time he won, but just the fact that that movie in general was recognized for something like an acting performance is pretty great and kind of rare for a movie like that. And also just because, in my opinion, Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker is it's one of the best performances I have ever seen in any movie. Um, he just dedicated so much to that and just completely transformed into a different person. And I just think it was phenomenal and just a really like gold standard for acting performances and i'm so glad he won i know a lot of people i think were saying you know oh he's gonna get it just because he died i think he would have gotten that win regardless because he was that good he was phenomenal he outshined batman in that movie he outshined just anything in that movie and everything about the Dark Knight was great, but he was still the standout of everything. So I'm just really glad that he won for that and that they recognized a movie like that um, in that category for supporting actor. So for me, that's definitely going to be my choice for best Oscar win and best Oscar moment. So, yeah, uh, I think that's, you know, that's a very good uh, um, uh, pick for this, you know, especially considering on the last one we did, we, you know, had people. And I say people, I mean that as one specific person had uh, brought up the fact that they thought he was just the worst uh, Joker ever and overrated and didn't understand anything. And um, and I think you kind of put a, um, a counter to that uh, together very well without even calling it out. Just in general, the way you worded everything just kind of help paint the fact that, you know, of what you thought of his uh, performance in general, especially uh, as a you know villain or counterpoint uh, to Batman in that movie Mm -hmm. and in the franchise in general and stuff. Yeah. And I also think that just as far as um, its relevance to comic book films, because that was, I believe at that time, that was probably the biggest nomination and win that any comic book movie had received. So uh, at, at that point, so a lot of people credit the Dark Knight with kind of was kind of that first comic book movie to kind of cross over into that. Yeah. This is an elite movie realm, especially when it comes to 
who Oscar picks and stuff like that. Of course, you could argue other comic book films out there were elite movies and you can debate that all night long. But as far as just the Oscar picks, typically Oscars kind of stay away from comic book films, although that is kind of a thing of the past now. But the Dark Knight and this nomination and this win and his performance really was one of the things that sort of set that new standard and said, hey, look, these films can be more serious. They can be more meaningful Substantial. and, and yeah. they can have, yeah, great acting performances. So I definitely think that that's worth noting. And I'm glad you talked about that. Yeah. And I would say even like the I mean, not that this is the movie that put Heath Ledger on the map because he had been around, obviously, for a while. But I think this is the movie that no matter what age you were or what type of movie you normally saw him in or whatever it was, this is the movie that everyone just kind of really was like, he is the real deal, you know? Um, so I think that, I don't know, it just, I think you're right. It, it was definitely the turning point also in, you know, this type of film genre. I don't really know many um, other, at least acting performance wise, um, I can't think of any other uh, superhero or comic book movies really where it was an acting performance that got a nomination or a win. So I just think that that says a lot for what he did with this role and what that role was, you know? Yeah, yeah I really do think that the posthumous award to Heath Ledger was more than deserved. Uh, this is once again why I'm such an avid, avid supporter of Nolan's Batman trilogy. Uh, just because it transcended the genre uh, in many different ways, not just with Heath, Heath Ledger's performances, but with the story and the, 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 the way the movie was shot and how well developed the script was. Uh, I think it's just just amazing. So legendary performance uh, definitely as a nerd. This is something that was that hold, held a lot of validity, you know, um, coming from reading comic books and, you know, with big glasses on and being skinny and 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 being absolutely intrigued with these characters and, and being enamored with them and then be able to share that love uh with these characters with the with with the entire world uh in a medium that was easily digestible i, I think it was great so i totally agree this was a a great great win for nerd kind <laughs> all right let's keep this this gravy train rolling Justin, what is your best Oscar winning moment? Okay. Well, for me, and um, and who knows, I'm sure that some people might say, well, this is an easy answer, or some people may feel that this is an obvious one. But for me, I thought about this and I was like, okay, well, what's my favorite? What is my favorite movie that is won? And, and for me, I just keep coming back to the original Godfather movie. So I think that's the one I want to talk about today. Um, I know that on earlier podcasts that we've done, I've touted Million Dollar Baby as my favorite movie, and it is. And I was definitely happy for that to receive the Oscar accolades that it did, but I've already talked about that and everything like that. So when I talk, so when I think about, okay, looking at all of these movies, which one do I really think is really just one of the absolute best, like really up there as far as upper echelon. And I keep coming back to the original Godfather. I watched this movie not too long ago. I want to say maybe about three or four months ago. 
on Netflix. I went on ahead and watched all three of them in succession. And like, still, this movie still holds up. Just how this movie impacted the culture. We could spend a whole podcast on Godfather talking about how it impacted the culture, how it impacted other movies, how it impacted storytelling. But this movie is widely regarded as one of the greatest films, and I do believe it deserves to be there. I don't know how it doesn't make everyone's top 10, at least, probably even top five, but it has excellent performances. This was well-directed by Francis Ford Coppola, Marlon Brando, and of course, Al Pacino, and a lot of the rest of the supporting cast all brought it in this movie. And this movie really has influenced how we see the mafia, mob culture, and everything like that. I mean, this was the one that started it all. And if it wasn't for a movie like this... I don't think that you would have movies like Goodfellas, have movies like, or have TV shows like The Sopranos. So for me, The Godfather is definitely one of those movies that not only should have won, but deserves to be mentioned as one of the greatest. Yeah. I mean, I I, I definitely see a a lot of what you said, Um, because it's one of those movies in an odd way that's still easily uh, has parodies made of it. And they still mm-hmm. feel relevant. Yes. You know, like, you know, like one of my biggest problems in of a parody outside of like, you know, something like a disaster movie or a date movie or something like that was the weird references to like American beauty from a Madagascar. Like it just mm-hmm. drove me fucking insane seeing something like that. I'm like, why? That is just a dated reference. When you made the movie, it doesn't hold up at all. And it makes no damn sense. But if they had like parodied The Godfather, I actually wouldn't have felt that way. Even though it's it, decades uh, older movie, it's just something about it still always feels relevant. Mm-hmm. So like when you see somebody, you know, do the whole weird Marlon Brando voice or doing something with like a waking up with like a head in their bed or something like that, it still doesn't yes. feel dated. And it should. Yes. It, 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 it should. should. But it's just such an iconic and you know, timeless movie within itself that it, it, it does transcend that since it, you know, you can watch it now and it doesn't feel dated. The only thing really dated about it when you watch it is you go, oh yeah, Al Pacino used to be good. And then you realize <laughs> oh, that it's shit. been like damn. decades since he was good. So you're like, oh damn, like it's just been forever since he was good. And he was so good. Sterling, uh, everybody wants his Dunkachino. What are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. I don't even know what that's a reference to, and I'm glad I don't. Jack and Jill, baby. Big A Sandler. <laughs> I never saw that. I haven't I haven't seen I haven't seen an Adam Sandler movie in so fucking long. Uh outside of seeing some some Dan Patrick cameos. That's all I'll go and watch. I'll go and watch for Dan Patrick doing his cameo in the movie. And then I fuck off and never watch the rest of the movie. Um, But I mean, yeah, it's just one of those things that, you know, everything about it, you know, like, and everybody knows what it is. I mean, shit, they had that Godfather pigeon on the Animaniacs. Yes. God pigeon. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, We were all fucking kids and you still knew what it was a reference to. Even if you hadn't seen the Godfather movie, 
which most people shouldn't at that point because you're all kids. But and not necessarily because of the content. I just don't think you would appreciate it yet. So you shouldn't have seen it. You still knew it was a reference to it. Um, yeah. I wonder. I want to say I can't remember who was in it, but they had that weird slapsticky and like airplane uh, naked gun parody of the Mafia. Godfather. Yeah, yes. Mafia. Mafia. Yeah, yeah. Mafia. Mm-hmm. Underrated. Yeah. Underrated. Who was With the main Jay person Mar? in that? Jay Mar. Yes. Yes. Years ago, years ago, I hadn't even seen The Godfather yet when I watched this, and you still know what it is. Right. The the entire time, you're not lost. Even as a kid, you're not lost. Like, Godfather references still click. And maybe they don't anymore. I'm not necessarily, you know, maybe they don't. But, like, for us, or at least when I was growing up, like, kid shows and stupid PG-13 movies like that that I could see at the time and had seen at the time, all made references to it, and they were never lost on me without even seeing The Godfather. But even then, like I said, when something makes a Godfather reference now, something I've watched within the last couple of weeks did. Uh, I I don't remember what. I want to say it was actually, I think it was fresh off the boat. I think something I've watched recently uh, made a Godfather reference or something. They just made a reference to waking up with something in their bed and them screaming because it was like a head in their bed. Um, yeah, it's just, it's something about the Godfather. It transcends all that. And it, it just kind of solidifies what you were saying, Justin, that it's just an iconic classic, like the definition of what you essentially what you want a best picture to be. You want a best picture movie to be one of those movies that, you know, we can watch it now and go, you know, like, oh, this was the best movie of that year. And you watch it and it still feels not, it maybe not relevant. But it still feels classic, at, yes. you know, no matter when yeah. you watch it. And speaking of references, man, I mean, I'm just thinking about all all the things I used to watch in the 90s. And I mean, how many callbacks were there to things about The Godfather? Like, I'm just sitting here trying to think of every reference I can think of. And like you said, in Animaniacs, you have the, the God Pigeon. Then in Darkwing Duck, there was that mole that was a mobster, Moliarty, and he was like a godfather. Then I want to say like in, um, uh, I mean, of course, in Batman and stuff like that, there were mobsters in that. Um, what was the name of that mobster in, Bat- in the Batman animated series? Uh, Falcone. Falcone. Carmen the Roman Falcone. Yeah. yeah and then there was the other one too, the, his yeah. other mob rival. Yeah. But, well, another one big from the 90s that you're not mentioning, Justin, is uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Ah, um, yep. They do yep. reference it. And he's like, you know, they're doing that whole thing. And they're like, well, why do you sound like that? And he's like, oh, he's like, I just went to the dentist. I have cotton balls in my mouth. And, and then he also, pulls out the cotton ball. And also in, yes. in Set It Off, if you remember the movie Set It Off, there was a reference uh, to The Godfather. And that was about four black women robbing a bank. And so that's yeah. pretty far away from well, Godfather. Oh yeah. So that was, I was a trying that reference with Dana Pinkett is impersonating um impersonating Jesus. I just forgot his name. Well, how could I do that? Brando? Yeah, Marlon Brando. Yeah. See, uh, I was trying to like I'm I'm looking at it and I was trying to figure out why why did we get so many Godfather references in the nineties? Because I feel like the nineties yeah. 
were just this hardcore Godfather references, especially when the movie came out in 1972. And then the Godfather Part 2 came out in 1974. Right. I didn't realize the Godfather 3 came out in 1990. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. I think that's what kind of... So that- which is definitely yeah. considered the lowest of all points in the Godfather saga. Um, I think also it just kind a of... Movie- oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I think that kind of gave that influx of the Godfather being relevant again, because everybody might have watched that and been like, oh, well, that sucked, and then go, well, fuck it, I'm still going to go watch one and two. And then, the, you know, because, I mean, I we had the VHSs of the Godfather growing up. Um I want to say the Godfather Part Two was a was a dual VHS situation. Uh, growing up, if I'm remembering correctly, the box uh, in my head it was that fat pack because it, it required two VHSs to get through. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I I think that's what did cause the resurgence, though, is that at the beginning of the '90s you got Part Three, so it was just kind of one of those things where people want you know. Uh, you know, they might have not liked that one because not really anybody does outside of um, Michael Scott from The Office because it was the only one that was funny. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> that was great episode. Um, yeah, it, it's I, I think that might be why we had so much of it in the 90s. And I remember I don't know if you guys remember the much about You've Got Mail, but a lot of references from The Godfather are made in that like a lot of the one liners from the godfather he puts in his emails and everything like that so i remember yeah and that was also in the 90s i think or very early 2000 you know yes, but yeah, it, that was a, mm-hmm. the, you know the the heydays of aol internet yes so it really like almost any like era of movie making any generation of people are gonna just know you know this movie and references to it so it yeah i mean it's one of the most well-known movies of all time honestly yeah um oh and even that even that and that line i'll make him an offer he can't refuse i mean i I don't even want to think about how many times i've heard that line in other movies like i just don't (laughs) even want to think about how many times i've heard that line in other tv shows like it would just take days to probably list them no, you, you, you did that wrong because if you're going to do that, you have to do it right. Because even when they do it in a TV show, they always do the, I'm making my off and you can't review. You, you have to do <laughs> yep. the stupid video when you say it. Yeah. Exactly. There it is. <laughs> you have to do that when you deliver that line. And that's the thing is you can be doing anything and just start talking like this. And everybody just goes, Oh, Brando Godfather. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I kind of just want to start ordering like that. Like, anytime I go to like Olive Garden, be like, <laughs> I want the limited salad and soup and bread. <laughs> that would be amazing. You definitely should. Because I am not anything if I am not for my Italian stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's I think that's my biggest defining feature. Like when I die and I have a headstone, it would say known for being a fan of Italian stereotypes. That's beautiful. I think so. Oh, it should start with, he died like he lived. A fan of Italian stereotypes. <laughs> and then that just kind of oh, God. propagates it even more, because then it just sounds like I get killed by the mob for making fun of him. <laughs> right. Uh, Jast, or not Jastin. Jastin just went. Let's try this again. Devin, 
What's your best Oscar winning moment? All right. Well, I've been in a controversial mood as of late, so I'm going to go with a controversial movie. And that movie would be 12 Years a Slave. Uh, when that won Best Picture, I was super ecstatic. And I think it's one of the most significant wins in history because it was a movie where all the white people were bad and all the black people were good in the movie. And to this day, I think 12 Years a Slave is the greatest recounting of a story of slavery ever made. Better than Roots, better than The Color Purple, uh, better than Amistad, better than all of those. And the reason why is because you got to see a person get their freedom stolen from them and the long, arduous, treacherous, heartbreaking, despair-filled journey it took for them to reclaim it. Um, From beginning to end, the movie is just from bad to worse. Every single performance in that film was amazing. Every single shot was beautiful. Uh, Chiwito Ejiofor's performance was just heartbreaking. Uh, there would be some times where he would just be staring blankly at nothing and just the amount of emotion conveyed in, in the dead silence of those mov- moments are just absolutely amazing. And, you know, it really, uh, you know, I've seen 12 Years a Slave. It's always on the list of movies you only see once, but I think I've seen it like seven times. And like my wife, since she's white, like she always has to deal with me being like really pissed off at her, like for like two hours after I watch that film. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like that whole thing. Uh, the whole thing, like when you're in a relationship and um, and this is a terrible stereotype. I'm not saying it's it's valid, but it just kind of reminds me of the whole thing of, um, you know, like when somebody's wife or girlfriend has a dream where the the guy or the the significant other cheated on them in their like in the dream and they wake and they're just mad at him for it. it it's it's kind of the same. Yeah. Uh, it's just like that. The same it, principle with it. It actually happened ancestrally. So it's even more. It's just it's even more ripe. You know, <laughs> I'm like, just what your fucking people did. Just so you know, the shit that you did, man, you know, and, 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 and <laughs> you know, and, and no, it's not fair. Of course. It is happy a, anniversary, yeah, wife. Yeah, happy, happy <laughs> fucking anniversary, you you goddamn colonizer. If this shit ever goes down, you and the crack of kids are going first. No, I'm joking. I love my family. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but here's the thing. You know, this movie was going up against. This wasn't one of those wins where it was like, well, that's all that, you know, it really had to go up against, you know. Um, it was going up against Gravity, Her, and Dallas Buyers Club, which all those movies are fantastic. And so for that yeah. one to win, that's great competition. Yeah, yeah, that 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 is great competition. That is, you know, for me, the Oscars. The more I've learned about them, the less they really are a gilded award because most of the people who win just give really good swag to the Academy. And that's what it boiled down, boils down to. But I'm going back to 2013, uh, back before I knew the information that I do know and that, you know, that I didn't know about the smear campaigns that they do during the Oscar season where uh, they have these groups of people who go out and, you know, secretly talk shit about these movies and, and, and then things like that to people of influence in the Academy or people close to them. Before I knew all those things, I wanted more than anything in the world for 12 Years a Slave to win. And if I could, I would show that movie to everybody that I knew so they could understand 
how awful of a history that this place has because it's one story, but there were millions upon millions upon millions of slaves in this country. And it went on for hundreds of years. And I think that that's something that should never be lost upon us. It's something that should never be forgotten. And it's something that um, should never be uh, commemorated those slave owners it should never they should never be seen as noble people or good people or people who were just caught up in their time because i think slavery is an evil uh, of any time and um yeah love love that film uh it deserved to win and it did yeah dude uh it it really is a a a fantastic movie i just i don't know about what you said though i mean better than roots and the only reason why i say that is I actually watched Roots within like the past week or so because it was on it was on Sundance and man Lamar uh Lavar Burton as uh, Kuta Kinte I mean oh I just listen love it every single it time. conveyed everything that Roots was trying to convey in like two hours and Roots is like nineteen hours long so it's efficient too well, okay. <laughs> okay you you do have me there it's it's they drastically, you know, condense it down and in in, in no way, shape or form, lose any of the uh, emotional impact of it. I mean, you are right on that. No, and I totally agree. I mean, th- there's really nothing much to add to what you said um, and definitely what you said about the acting. Like if you want yeah, to talk about sure. powerhouse acting, that is definitely one of those movies where I think you have to see it. I mean, even if you or iffy about the subject matter or you like, I don't know if I really, I think just to see that for how powerful the acting is, because like you said, there are just scenes where characters are just, it's just silence and the camera just stays on a character's face and just the emotions conveyed in those moments, like some of the beatings and the lashings and just, the sound editing was so great. The way that they set up the scene and just the way the actors were were portraying it, the characters in these scenes, it, it, it all just is definitely top-notch stuff. Definitely a list when you're talking about the quality of a film. So I would definitely recommend that to anyone. If you want to see how a person, why those are such great actors definitely check out that film yeah and and one thing though that we have that nobody has said yet that i can't go without saying and my cat totally agrees with me because he got you know right up in my face when i was gonna say this is this movie also has michael k williams in it and i will never (laughs) not bring up michael k williams when he's in something because he's (laughs) michael k williams and if he's in something damn sure i'm gonna bring it up um and i really wish i uh knew the specifics about this better but um i was listening to a podcast not too terribly long ago that with a uh, terry and killian in it um you know from snl and uh he's yeah. married to uh colby smolders from how i mm-hmm. met your mother in, in mcu uh, but he's in this movie and he was as a part of this podcast you know he's talking about like a lot of his comedy stuff and things like that but he was just talking about the uh story about how he ended up getting uh, his, you know, uh, part in 12 Years a Slave and about how it was very trying for him because he's very much known as a comedic actor and all this other stuff and going and playing something just awful in, you know, this movie and 
uh, you know, it was a big change for him, but he was like thankful for it and all this other stuff. And I mean, I don't want to like fuck up his story because it was a very, the way he uh, talks about it's amazing. And if I remember to figure out like which podcast I was listening to where he's talking about it, um, I'll I'll definitely put a mention in the show notes about it because it's it's one of those things that people should listen to it because it's an incredible story uh, about the the impact on him like filming something like this from that perspective all right is it my turn yeah we're gonna get this gravy train roll into its last stop on the positives with mr sterling see i don't know why i said that (laughs) fuck who the fuck says gravy train anymore i was really (laughs) kind of ashamed i was ashamed of myself for saying gravy train (laughs) gravy potatoes is where he goes millions of salisbury steaks see (laughs) <laughs> you gotta dress those. Oh, that sounds good. Man, now I want a Salisbury steak. Mm. <laughs> mm, that sounds good with some onions and mm, extra gravy. Oh, man. <laughs> now that's all I'm going to be thinking about. I'm going to be talking about that award-winning documentary about Salisbury steaks that should have won an Academy Award. <laughs> so um, basically, we've become the podcast that starts out talking about movies and then ends up talking about food every time. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, I see. I can get on board with that. That's fine. I can get on that gravy train. <laughs> every movie, every movie we talk about now, we have to equate it to a food of some sort. That should almost be a criterion. Um, mm. But no, my my best Oscar winning moment is the newest one of any of us, as far as chronologically speaking. Um, I'm actually going to go for uh, Get Out, winning best original screenplay. Um, oh yeah. And I think a lot of it oh, yeah. just has to do with the fact of of how just incredibly surprising uh, Get Out was, just in every way, shape, or form. Um, you know, whenever you think Jordan Peele, at the time especially, you know, you thought Keen Peele. You thought of his very short-lived and terrible career on Mad TV. Uh, you, you would think of, um, as far as movies went, you would think of uh, Keanu, which is a very underrated movie very underrated movie um but i mean he was always the other guy in key and peel you know because uh michael keegan had i mean he had been doing movies he had been doing other things like he yeah he did key and peel and everybody knew him from that but he was doing other things all the time and jordan peel wasn't and all of a sudden you find out he's doing like this horror movie and you watch the trailer and you're like i don't know what's going on i'm intrigued mm-hmm. but what is going on? And then you watch that movie and it's just a damn near perfect, like modern horror movie. Yeah. And you're just like, damn. And I mean, and he did everything. I mean, he, he wrote, he directed, I mean, he just, he, he put himself in that movie and then, you know, and it just goes back. And then like, you hear stories now of, of them writing key and peel and stuff like that. And apparently a lot of these really iconic skits, uh, some of them were him, like those, uh, uh, the, the crazy NFL name ones. That is um, one of my favorite. Him. That is one of my favorite Key and Peele skits. It's, like, oh my God, it's one of my favorite one. Well, I, I, and I can, I can say the story of it behind it. It's really quick. Like he was never, uh, Jordan Peele wasn't really a big sports fan. Um, but he apparently really liked playing Madden though. He liked playing the, the Madden video game, but wasn't really a big sports fan. And he was he was talking to Michael Keegan and was like, hey, did you know there's a guy that plays for the Jets named Debrickashaw Ferguson? Debrickashaw Ferguson. And, <laughs> and Keegan was like, 
that's nothing. Like, there are crazier names than that. And then apparently, like, two days later, when they saw each other again, Jordan Peele had the skit written. That's he just amazing. Went and found more names and, you know, made up names and all this other stuff. But just like a couple of days later, just like, bam, written. And it's iconic. Like, and it was just no time at all. Just like he got that idea, then like, bam, done, ready to go. And that's awesome. And then, and then you, you know, you get, get out and you kind of see that. You see that in that movie. He, he got this idea and he's just able, like, when he gets that idea, he's able to flesh it out just insanely quick and insanely thorough and, and just detailed and, and insane like i mean and that it's it's really funny too because he did such an amazing job on get out that it's also one of those movies that has like hidden meanings that like a lot of people say they're hitting meanings and then he's like oh no it was just this but <laughs> that's cool like think that like uh there was a yeah. uh, there's supposed to be this weird hidden meaning in the way that uh she ate her cereal the way that she was eating the cereal and drinking the milk and yeah like, like separately yeah yes Everybody's like, oh, it's the separation and all this other stuff. He's like, oh, no, we just wanted her to eat cereal in the creepiest way possible. Mm -hmm. And that's all it was to him. But then it's he's so detailed with everything that it feels like there's a hidden meaning to that scene. Even yeah, though there wasn't. It's because there's such an attention to detail. You feel that even when there's not those aspects in it. And another thing about those guys, both Kegel... Keegan, Mike, Michael Keane, and Jordan Peele, people don't understand how legitimate these guys are. These are some highly educated, very, very, very mm -hmm. exquisitely talented uh, gentlemen. They were trained at like Juilliard, you know, and so, mm -hmm. you know, they, they just have, a, yeah, these, these guys are next level, you know, thoroughbred. They are the, the blue chip college athletes of, of, of the arts when it comes right down to it. A lot of people don't know that, you know. I mean, when you see Get Out, though, you're like, yeah, there's definitely a lot of genius up in here, yeah. you know? Like, it's crazy. It, it was. Yeah. I mean, Get Out is still one of my favorite sleeper hits of all time, you know. Yeah, for sure. You know, you know, black people have been fucking killing it these past, like, you know, seven to ten years. We've been doing really <laughs> good, you know. I'm just saying, we've been doing awesome. I'm telling you, we, we used to not even be able to get a nomination <laughs> for shit. And now, you know. But I mean, it wasn't it wasn't too long ago that it was, you know, Oscars yeah. so white. And now if we don't get nominated, people get a hashtag on that ass. They'd be like, I know one thing. There may be some fucking <laughs> black people and some fucking women at the Oscars this is fucking this year. I'm telling you, well, they getting hashtagged up in this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of true. Yeah. And yeah, actually, and when I mean, you look it, at the oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just gonna say it really, it really elevates. Uh, like it really did elevate his status too with everything because he really was always the guy. When you're like, oh, you know, Get Out. It's uh, written by uh, and, and directed by Jordan Peele, and they're like, you know, from Key and Peele, and they'd be like, and they'd always think Keegan Michael Key because. And thank you for correcting my my uh, version of, of his name, Devin, because I don't know what it is about his name. I never, I always remember it out of order. <laughs> I, I know the initials, but I always fuck up the order on them. Um, and it's, uh, they would always think of him and it's like, oh no, no, no. The other guy, the other guy on, on Keen. Oh, is he the short one? Yeah. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> and like, and so, and then now, now he's unmistakable. He did get out and everyone mm. knows Jordan Peele and he wasn't even in the movie. Like how many times do you get that as a director? Yeah. You, I mean, and yes, he is an actor and people had seen stuff with him in it before, 
but how many times as a director do you instantly get name and visual recognition outside of what like steven spielberg and quentin tarantino like that's really about it as far as like visual acknowledgement or like knowing yeah. or, or spike lee because he used to you know or not used to st- uh sits on the floor you know the uh the knicks games and stuff like that but i mean and it was inst- it was like overnight all of a sudden everybody knew jordan peele instantly with this movie uh and, and go ahead what you were gonna uh, uh say there justin oh well i was just gonna kind of add to his point about when he was talking about like Oscar nominations and people of color and things like that. And I mean, I think that that's definitely relevant with this year's nominations, because when you look at them, you've got Black Panther, Black Klansman, Green Book is in there. I mean, the Roma is in there. Mm. So you've got a lot of movies that are nominated that are based on people of color or other races. Like you're really starting to see. A presence there, especially when you look at all of the best picture nominations this year. Yeah, was was anybody else thrown off by the fact that that's the first time Spike Lee was nominated for best director? No, yeah, that is weird. No, it's not weird. I can tell you why. No, no, like no, it's one of those things that I could have sworn he had been nominated before, especially with how like critically acclaimed a lot of his stuff was. You know, like, and I understand, like, you know, like do the right thing or something like that. You know that being omitted, even though it is a classic that or something like won that. Won the Oscar like, that, just, that year. Well, no, it should have. But I'm just saying that screams the type of movie that gets overlooked, without a doubt. It is definitely not your typical but, Oscar made movie. But you know, now I mean, after you know, fuck my fish wins last year. You know, the floodgates are open now, so black people can come get it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I just I'm surprised. Like what for uh, uh, Malcolm X? He didn't get a nomination. I know, right? You know, like, like it's, it's just the fact that like, you know, he might not have won, but just that he had never gotten a nomination, like never like that, yeah. that blew my mind when all of a sudden, and, and don't get me wrong, like Black Klansman is a fucking phenomenal movie. We, I mean, we all gushed over how much we liked it. It's just, I can't believe it's his first. It's kind of like when you find out that Martin Scorsese has only won for the the departed. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. A, it's a fantastic movie, but that. That's what he won for. Like, it's just like, wow. It really was like the same moment. Like whenever like Martin Scorsese says he finally won for The Departed. And you're like, yeah, I, I love The Departed. I think it's fantastic. But you're like, that's the one he finally wins for. It kind of feels like they're doing the same thing with Spike Lee on this. Like, and not that it's not justified. He, he definitely should get a nomination uh, for director for Black Klansman. I mean, it would be ridiculous that he, you know, wouldn't have gotten one. But it, it almost feels like it's a lifetime achievement nomination. Like. Yeah, it was it was such mm-hmm. a great movie at this time, especially like with what you guys are saying with, you know, that big push for di- diversity and inclusion and uh, just the that thing, you know, where the Oscars are getting hit and, and he has a movie come out because like whenever this was all started, his last movie was Chirac uh, when whenever the whole Oscars so white hashtag started, he had a movie come out that year with Chirac and, and say what you will about it. I. I like a lot of the aspects of it. It just shouldn't have been done in the style of the Greek play. That was weird to me. There's still a lot to like about that movie, though. But I feel like with this, it kind of is like that lifetime achievement. You take all these phenomenal movies that the Oscars have insanely overlooked in all regards with his career and the actors in them and everything. And they're finally like, okay, definitely now you're getting that nomination. 
That blows my mind. Yeah. And they have a history of doing things like that. I think um, it, it hasn't been as long uh, as an atrocity with Pacino. But remember, he was up there all those years for doing the Godfather movies and all of that. And then he didn't really win his acting. Now he didn't get his acting win until Scent of a Woman, of a which fucking, a lot of people just felt. Oh my fucking! God. Yeah. Yes, fuck yeah. that. Yeah, which a lot like of people all of it, like, and then you're giving it. Yeah, because all of a sudden he's like hooah, and everybody wants to like fucking get on his dick and give him a statue now. <laughs> fucking Serpico, yeah. no. So. Dog Day Afternoon, no. Godfather, yes. No. Dog day freaking afternoon. Yeah. Are you kidding me? And then was like, is he in a movie this year? Sure. Let's give it to him. God. Yes, because we know we owe him. Yeah. And it's not it's 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 not that Sin of a Woman is a bad movie. It's it's not. Sin of a Woman is not a bad bad. movie. It's it's just it's it's just one of those things like like you guys were saying and like everything. It's just like that one. It's they finally decide to do it and it's that one? Like yeah. that's the biggest question mark. I, I could have seen it more for Donnie Brasco than I could a scent of a woman. Yeah, you know. And I mean, how it's, in the world? Especially just because of that whole punch of salt scene in in Donnie Brasco, it makes no sense to <laughs> add a punch of salt to something. Uh, you know. Um. But go, going back to Get Out, though, we did get a little off of that. But like with Get Out, it's it was such a powerhouse movie that I, in a lot of ways, it made me feel bad for Jordan Peele. Because, dear God, that fucker has to follow that up. Like, that's his debut. And he has to follow that up with something. <laughs> and for for all accounts, I mean, it looks like us will not disappoint. Even if it's not as good as Get Out, it does yeah. not look like it will be like a sophomore slump movie. It looks like it still will be in the... In yeah. the in the in the epsilon of get out at least it looks like it's going to be up there and it's i just i i still feel bad for it because if he's just a hair off people are going to call it out in that movie and that's not necessarily fair to him or that movie it's just he knocked it out of the park so fucking hard with get out in everything that it's 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 a just it's that cliche tough act to follow type of situation and yeah i mean if anybody can do it it feels like he can and also like him uh being the new host of the twilight zone uh taking over the role of uh what's his name uh roger sterling um that that commercial for the super bowl when he did that that was great just the way his mannerisms and the way he spoke with it and everything like that was perfect for like a new modern version of the twilight zone and I I really am super stoked about it. Like I'm a huge Star Trek fan and Star Trek Discovery or Discover Me really. Discovery still didn't get me to subscribe to CBS All Access. This might though. I might wait until after the whole season's aired and then get my subscription and then binge it all in a week. <laughs> but this actually might get me to pay for CBS for even just a little bit to watch because Jordan Peele looked amazing in that in that role as the the host of the Twilight Zone. Yeah, I agree. All right, we will now do a quick turn into our worst Oscar uh, wins. Um, just to give you a taste of of what we mean by this, I'll start it off. Um, I'm going to start it off with, if my memory serves me, from the same Academy Awards as as Get Out, with Logan winning for Best Adapted Screenplay. 
<laughs> fuck that movie. Should have oh, seen God. it coming. That oh, no. bullshit. Oh. That garbage ass fucking movie winning best adapted screenplay. <laughs> I mean, what fucking screenplay? When it's like, say the script is 100 pages long and your main character is incapacitated, hurt, or dead, or asleep for like 47 of those 100 pages. Is that really a script? No. It's fuck everything about it. It's garbage. You know, sure, it was acted well. But I mean, what were they really acting out? Just words on a fucking garbage piece of paper. Just <laughs> everything about it. It's it's literally like, I I would prefer to watch Suicide Squad, which won for best, what, hair and makeup or costume design or some bullshit. I would rather watch that than this fucking terrible ass, just boring like suck fest of a fucking movie. <laughs> oh boy. No one agrees with you. The world agrees with me at its heart. <laughs> no, they don't, Sterling. Just stop it. I mean, it's, just like, it's great. If, you know, it's okay that you didn't like it, but I mean, that's just, um, I don't know. It's just not true, man. It, I mean, that was a really no. good movie. Sure. Like, like I tried. Okay. I'll tell you a story, kids. I tried watching that movie again. Oh no. I did. I tried. Okay. And we, I don't know if we've discussed this on the podcast. I feel like we have, but just in case we haven't, I've got what's called a self-defense mechanism for really boring movies. Um, I made it through the first time without my self-defense mechanism going off. And I think it's because I, I didn't want it to. I was fighting it because just deep down inside, I wanted Logan to be good. So I kept fighting off my self-defense mechanism. And I was like, no, you're not going to happen. I know it's boring as fuck, but it's not going to happen because it's going to get good just any minute now, any minute. And then he fucking died and the credits happened. And I was like, it never happened. It never got good. But I was like, you know what? Maybe I was having a bad day that day. Maybe I was just sleepy. Maybe I didn't get enough sleep. Maybe I didn't eat my Frosted Flakes in the morning and I just didn't start my day off with a well-balanced breakfast, you know, <laughs> with the, the toast and the fruit and the, and the eggs and the cereal and just that gargantuan fucking carb fest that every commercial says I should have for a breakfast. And I didn't have that. Maybe if I do that and I give this movie, you know, some time and I watch it, maybe it'll be different this time. I fucking fell asleep within like two fucking seconds of that movie starting. And I fell and I, I woke up after the credits had ended and the, the menu for the movie came back on. That's how fucking boring this movie is. My self-defense mechanism wouldn't even let me really start the movie. It didn't even wake me up at the end like it typically does. Like, like when we saw March of the Penguins, I fell asleep, I think, before the opening credits was over in that one. I woke up randomly once in the middle of that movie and it was talking about like them regurgitating into each other's mouths or some bullshit. I was like, nope, and went the fuck back to sleep. And I woke up just as soon as it was like the end of the movie and Morgan Freeman's like, and that's the March of the Penguins. And then the movie ends. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. That's how it works. My self-defense mechanism always make, wakes me up for the final scene of the movie and then the credits. It didn't even do that. My self-defense mechanism <laughs> went, no, Sterling, you're staying the fuck asleep until this movie is just good and done with. Just completely and utterly done. You have to be. It wanted to protect me so much. I couldn't even see who the best boy was for this movie. I was asleep <laughs> because this movie is just tragically fucking boring. Wow. Yikes. Like that must have been the easiest paycheck in the fucking world for Hugh Jackman. He's like, oh, I'm not doing shit. 
for like 47% of this movie, but you're going to pay me like I am? Fuck it. I'll do it. I don't blame him one bit. (laughs) He essentially got paid millions of dollars to take a nap for most of a movie. So kudos to you, Hugh Jackman. Fuck off with that garbage ass script, though. Come on. It brought back. It brought back adamantium bullets. Come on. It brought that back. And you want me to give that movie credit? It literally took inspiration from one of the worst comic book movies of all time. And you want me to give that movie credit? Yeah, out your fucking mind. Out your fucking mind. So, <laughs> that was like a Venom example. level rant. Great. You know what? I'll, I'll give Venom credit. At least it wasn't as boring as that fucking movie. Now, <laughs> Logan had other good things, though. Logan's not a negative hundred. It's not. It's not Venom bad, but it's more boring than Venom. I'll say that infinitely more boring than Venom. Um, But that's my worst. That's my worst Oscar winning moment. Just to kind of warm your toes to what the fuck we're going to be talking about with everybody else for this this next segment. We're going to go in reverse order. And Devin is next. Devin, what is your worst Oscar winning moment? Well, I told you I was going to be controversial before we start up this podcast and I'm going to stick to it. And I'm so glad that you guys talked about Pacino and I'm so glad Sterling that you stuck to the same exact Oscars ceremony because I am going to talk about Al Pacino winning for sin of a woman over Denzel Washington and Malcolm fucking X. One of the greatest snubs (laughs) in history one of the greatest bio biographical performances of all time was Denzel Washington of Malcolm X and in Malcolm X and for Pacino to win that, that lifetime achievement award and upstage Denzel Washington. So he could later win with his version of the lifetime achievement when he played uh, Alonzo in training day. And I know it was a great performance. Don't get me <laughs> wrong. It was a great performance. Well, well deserved, over yeah. Pacino's performance instead of a woman, but he had already beaten Pacino. He had beaten everybody that year in 1993. And that is one of the greatest snubs of all time. I was going to pick another movie. I'm going to do an honorable mention because I understand why that movie won, but we'll do that in the honorable mentions. But man, you know, the, the thing is, is that if Malcolm X would have won that year, you would have watched Malcolm X during Black History Month in your history class. But it didn't win. So you don't. So you don't understand the history of Malcolm X and his role in the civil rights movement. And, you know, it's it's a shame. It really is a shame because how he has been portrayed by the media has been as this violent by any means necessary. That's the only thing that people say. You say Malcolm X, they say any means necessary, but really his philosophy was really based off of just protecting and retaliating if you have to. And in the end, he took a more peaceful stance of his views. And and the thing about him is that Malcolm X was killed by one of his own. So he's on some Julius Caesar shit too. And for Al Pacino to go hoo-ha and fucking Ben Affleck it up with his blindness and win that year was a slap in his face and it is a perfect example of what has been wrong with the Oscars for decades. For decades. Al Pacino got an award for being Al Pacino. That's how Al Pacino gets coffee in the morning. Well, Denzel Washington transformed himself. I mean. <laughs> and uh, hoo-ha. Fuck that. You, that. That's bullshit. 
Well, I mean, and, and, and to piggyback off what you were saying, Devin, like there is like iconic lines and deliveries in Malcolm X. Uh, like the, uh, we didn't land on uh, Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on Plymouth us. Rock landed on us. Mm-hmm. We, we didn't land on you Plymouth know. Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. Shit. Nice. Yeah, you nice. have. Yeah, and while it is like a historical quote and everything, you, you have those iconic lines where like all scent of a woman has is like a weird, like terrible battle cry. Like something <laughs> like you like you would say on Tinder or something. Like you swipe right and go, hoo <laughs> And that's it. Like that's all anybody really remembers of scent of a woman. That and Chris O'Donnell randomly. Not that I can say anything about him in that movie. I barely remember that he was in it. But I just distinctly remembered enough to say, Scent of a Woman is Al Pacino going, hoo and Chris O'Donnell. That's all I really remember from that movie. <laughs> hey, poor Chris O'Donnell. That guy fucking, after Batman and Robin, that shit, it was over for that guy. Well, if I'm remembering correctly, Scent <laughs> of a Woman was before that. But yeah, he did have a weird career tra- trajectory because you have that. Wasn't he in Little Women? Yeah, he was in Little Women. I yeah. remember him in. With Christian Bale, nonetheless. Christian he was Bale's in Little in Women? I don't remember that. He he was in something where he was having to look all old-timey. And I'm not talking about Three Musketeers. I remember that. Yeah, he was in that, too. But I'm talking about, mm-hmm. like, I'm talking about, like, gentlemanly. That's actually a... Is that, for whatever reason, there's a Little Women remake coming. Side Did burns? you guys know that? I'm sorry. I just have to say that because you said Little Women. And I was like, there's a remake. They're going to remake that movie, which we'll see. Yep, I did hear that. Yeah, and who gives a fuck? It's just a, another fucking thing. Like, how many fucking, what is it, Pride and Prejudices have there been, or Hamlets, or any of that shit? Like, it's just one of those movies that gets remade a billion times, because they're hoping nobody will figure it out. Like, they'll do, like, a modern retelling, and they'll be like, you know, like, girls growing up in suburban America, and it's a version of Little Women, and all that other bullshit. It's just, for whatever reason... Every like six years, Hollywood has to do a version of Little Women or it's like it'll collapse upon itself and Hollywood will cease to exist because they didn't complete the ritual <laughs> of doing a Little Women movie. Yep. How Cabin Damn. in the Woods of you. <laughs> yes. As I started saying that, I was like, yeah, just like Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> All right. I'm going to find this movie. We're going to we'll move on because uh, I, I mean, I, I'm completely in agreement with you, Devin. Um the, yeah, that that was the, that just happened to be the year that they were like, oh, we're going to give Al Pacino his Lifetime Achievement Award, you know, for doing all this raw shit that we've just never uh, paid attention to. And, uh, you know, they finally decided to give it to him that year when there were other performances that legitimately uh, deserved it. Um, but we'll move on to uh, we'll move on to you, Justin. What is your worst Oscar winning moment? And I do warn you, while you do that, I'm going to be trying to find the Chris O'Donnell movie that I'm thinking of in my head. I Just think you might be you. thinking of In Love and War when he was a soldier. Is that what you're thinking of? Maybe. No, no, that's not it. Because I'm definitely thinking of like British, uh, like the petticoat type of stuff and the, the sideburns. It's just mm-hmm. in my head. I see it in my head. Kind of looking like um, the bad guy from Frozen is <laughs> almost pretty much what he reminded me of. It's not Three of. Musketeers, is it? No, it's not that. Maybe it is. I don't fucking know. I just remember British gentlemanly attire. Kind of like what you would see in uh, A Little Women or A Pride and Prejudice or something like that. I'm, it just sits in my head. Maybe I made it up. Maybe I was just like, you know what? Chris O'Donnell should be in a Little Woman movie. Every One of those six-year <laughs> ones, he should be in it. So I, I, I imagined it. But I don't know. But anyway, Justin, 
while I'm doing this, what is your worst Oscar winning moment? Okay. And kind of in the same light of what Devin sort of did, I really think that I'm just want to talk about a snub. So for me, I'm going back to the 2010 Oscars. And, and this is significant to me because I used to have a little ritual that I would do come Oscar time where whenever they would put out the list of movies for best picture, I would make it a point. And a lot of times in theaters, especially over here in Midland, I don't know if it, I'm pretty sure it works the same at other theaters, but a lot of times when the movies would get announced for best picture, they would come back to the movie theater so people could see them. So I would make it a point to watch all of the best picture nominees and my tradition was is that if I successfully saw all of the movies, then I would make a decision on which one I thought was the best and see if it matched up with the Oscars and everything like that. And I had started that about, I would say maybe it was about, it's probably been about almost 10 years since I kind of started that tradition. And ever since I started doing that, I, I picked the right best picture every single time. So I was picking them. I was correct. Every single year, I would watch the movies pick and my pick would be correct. And in 2010, my streak was broken. And so I, so I have a qualm with the 2010 Oscars because I don't believe, I believe my pick should have won and not the movie that did win. So in 2010, the movie that won for best picture was The King's Speech. And for all sense and purposes, The King's Speech is a great movie. I watched it and I loved The King's Speech. I thought Colin Firth was great. I liked the story about this king with these speaking problems and trying to overcome that. And the story was very engaging and it was uplifting. No problems with that film at all. But the film that should have won in 2010 for Best Picture is The Social Network. And I don't know if anybody out there saw The Social Network, but this movie was absolutely fantastic. This It was written by Aaron Sorkin, who is like a world-renowned, famous screenwriter. And to, if you ask me, this is arguably his best work. I think that this is some of the best work he's ever done. If you've never seen The Social Network, I dare you just to go to YouTube and watch the opening scene of the social network because the opening scene is brilliant. I think it's one of the best opening scenes to a movie that I've ever seen. Um, Jesse Eisenberg is really good in this as Mark Zuckerberg. His quirky charisma really comes into play in this movie and it perfectly fits this story about the start of Facebook and some of the legal ramifications and things that went on with the creation of that and everything like that. But this movie was excellent. It was well-paced. It was, it was hip. It was fresh. It, it felt so youthful. It had a vibrance to it. And it just really, to me, blew away the competition when you look at all of the other Oscar nominees for best picture that year. And in a lot of people's minds, I know I'm not crazy. I know a lot of people feel the same way. This movie critically has higher scores than the King's Speech. 
traditionally just down the line when you look at different sites and stuff like that. And typically when a media outlet does a top 10 movies that were snubbed at the Oscars for best picture, this is one that always comes up. The King's Speech winning over the social network. So needless to say, I have a grudge with the King's Speech because it broke my streak. I was perfect up until that year because I picked Social Network and King's Speech won. So I will ever, I will forever have a grudge with the King's Speech. <laughs> and although it was a, gr- it was a good movie, I think the Social Network is really a great film and it's a great biopic depiction of something that is relevant even today, even though it came out in 2010. Facebook is still a relevant thing. The social network is a relevant thing. And this story about this person who struggled with connections with people, but then found a way and ironically finds a way to connect the world with each other is a remarkable story. And it was just so well done. No, I, I, I definitely do understand that. I do disagree with, though, because I was actually rooting for King's Speech. So, haha, <laughs> fuck you. I win. But. <laughs> I mean, I do get what you're saying, though, because I mean, we have gone over a similar situation to this when we talked about when we we're talking about Tom Hanks movies um, with Forrest Gump winning over Shawshank, you know, or, yeah. or and we also brought up during that uh, was it uh, Shakespeare in Love winning over uh, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, which might um, be the biggest one, but yeah, right. And, well, I mean, I know and a lot of people also consider uh, Brokeback Mountain losing to Crash up there, too. And I mean, I mm. I get that, but damn, I really loved Crash. Uh, yeah, I yeah, same here. I know, it's, I know it's a really cool thing to like shit on Crash now. I mean, people did then too. It's not like it's a now thing, but people did then too. But it's just Crash. I knew nothing about that movie going into it, and we just happened to watch it uh, one night late at the movie theater back in Midland, Texas. It was it was what it was you. It was it was me, Justin, myself, and this guy that used to work at the movie theater, Drew. Myself. No, you no, weren't there for there. that one. You weren't there for that crash. No, was not it that Derek? Night. Was it Derek? I want no. to say Derek was no, there. No, it was Drew. Oh, okay. It was Drew. Drew. Because, and the reason why I, you weren't there, Devin, is I know you went a couple of nights later with Derek. Because we were. I was working that night when you went and watched it. Maybe so. Yeah, but no, because I remember that night specifically because I came back from tech. That's when I was still, or no, was I at tech there? I don't remember. But I came back from college. And I was going to start working at the movie theater again the next week. And I just happened to be there like the Friday before I was going to start working. And it was late at night. And it was it was you, me and Drew were talking about uh, the crash. We were like, what the fuck is this movie? You know, this was like before smartphones. because So we couldn't just pull up the trailer right then or any of that shit. And we went and watched it. If I'm remembering correctly, it was even in theater seven, which I know is just useless information to anybody listening to this. but. It was one of those, it was, it was seven through 10. It was in the back in those days. It was one of those theaters and that's just super inside information that nobody cares about. But anyway, and we were watching that movie and I remember like, that's one of the few movies that's ever hit me emotionally because of that scene when that guy pulls up and he's going to shoot Michael Pena and yep. his daughter comes out and jumps in front of him and he shoots the daughter with a blank. And I'm like, that would still hurt, but whatever. But like Michael Pena thought, thinks she's dead. And just the look on Michael Pena's face. Yeah. Whenever it does that overhead shot of him, like throwing his head back and streaming, but there's no sound. It's just the music. Yeah. 
Like I, I remember I was sitting in that theater and I'm like, man, I'm not going to cry in front of these motherfuckers. I'm not. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to fucking do it. And I didn't. I almost did, but it didn't. That's what's important. And just a side note, um, Crash was actually going to be one of my next choices of uh, favorite Oscar win because I, I really, really enjoyed that movie. So, and I was so thrilled that it won best movie. I was very shocked and surprised that it won, but I'm glad that it did because that was like my favorite movie of that year. So I'm agreeing with everything you're saying. And yes. And I mean, and it's nothing against Brokeback Mountain. I think Brokeback Mountain is a fucking fantastic movie. Uh, I absolutely loved it. It really, and it's, it's right up there as like movie 1A and 1B of like my favorite movies that year with Crash and Brokeback Mountain. But I just wanted to address that in the same token you were talking about, though, Justin, because that is constantly brought up also as far as like best picture snubs uh, was Crash winning over um, Brokeback Broke Mountain. Mountain. So, um, but I mean, with with what you were saying, though, uh, Justin, I do have one question for you that doesn't directly relate to the whole um, King Speech social network snub, but I. So when you were choosing between essentially La La Land and Moonlight, which one did you choose out of those two? That year, did I even choose or did I just, I don't even think well, I see, even, I don't think I, I was just, saw every movie that year. I was rooting so for you didn't Moon choose. Knight. Yeah, so I didn't choose. I don't Knight, yeah, you were. choose Moon unless, uh, um, I don't choose unless <laughs> I see them all, but because I don't like to kind of pick and not have seen them all and there was so and now that they they have so many in a category it's hard to watch every single one of them but i was rooting for moon knight i was rooting for moon knight i knew that la la land was the all sentimental right, favorite but <laughs> i was rooting for moon knight moon, i'm sorry moon you knight. keep saying moon knight <laughs> moon you keep Light. saying moon knight which i'm fine with because Moon Knight Moon is the Knight. greatest Sorry. superhero Sorry. of all time. <laughs> no, he and is if not. he ever does get a movie, he's going to sweep the Academy Awards and win that fucking best picture because <laughs> no. he's the best. No, I he is it. not. And this is totally off topic, but I saw that Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 was coming out for the Switch. And all I could think about was, is Moon Knight going to have the nunchucks? But anyway, um, Moon Knight. <laughs> I mean, I mean every, every bad guy in that game, every bad guy in that game better fucking hope Moon Knight does not have those nunchucks because that <laughs> is just a game killer, especially me. You give me Moon Knight, you give me some Moon Knight nunchucks. I'm fucking killing everything. So I was an unstoppable. I was an unstoppable <laughs> force of nature with I was un, I was an unstoppable force of nature with that best picture winning. If you Moon think Knight. that he's unstoppable goes on a tangent about a movie he doesn't like. You should see him with Moon Knight and Nunchucks and Ultimate Alliance game. There's no stopping. I mean, <laughs> me and Jaston would be dead as fuck. He'd be like, I got it, guys. And I'd be like, man, shut the fuck up. And he just nunchucko, nunchucko. I would, though. Nunchucko. And then he'd be, he'd be Fing Fang Foom by himself. Me and Jaston died hella early and he took him down. I can't. Oh, fuck. No, can we talk about Moonlight, please? Mahershala Ali, let's go. Anyways, yes. well, no, we're, yes. we're we're talking about we're talking about the best picture winning movie Moon Knight, according to Justin, <laughs> and just I'm I'm never gonna let you live that down because you said multiple times that Moon Knight won best picture. Um, no, I was just I but what, the reason why the the reason why I brought that up though is I was just wondering if like 
that was a weird roller coaster of emotions for you. Like if you chose Moonlight in La La Land and that was that whole thing and you were like, oh man, I lost. And then all of a sudden you're like, ha ha, won. Or was right. it the other way around? Did you, were you like rooting for La La Land and you were like, ah, won, my streak continues. And then all of a sudden it's Moonlight and you're like, oh no, my streak. <laughs> man that would have that would have really killed me that year but out of the movies i saw that year i did think that moonlight was the best one so i was rooting for it but i always felt like la la land was the sentimental favorite and it had gosling and it was stone and it was amazing and the songs and then the ending was really cool so i i, I knew that that had a chance to win too and i know the oscars typically would lean towards those so I, but I was really rooting for Moonlight, man. And then whenever that did happen at the end, where they were like, "Wait a minute, we made a mistake. It's Moonlight." I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Boom, it won. Yeah, are, that was. I was you, so are, happy for it." Are you sure? Are you sure you said that right, Justin? Yeah, yeah, I did. You sure, you didn't mean to say Moon Knight. <laughs> Shut up. No nunchucks. Just nunchucking. The Steve competition. Blackman, and Steve the crazy thing Blackman, is. Lethal weapon. Steve Blackman. Well, just. I mean, I mean how, can in, you in, kill, to, how can you kill Fing Fang Foon with nunchucks? Nunchucks. Easy. Easy, Justin. How can you, you kill the juggernaut? I how can kill... you beat the juggernaut with nunchucks? Really? I, I really I'm really confused while you're asking these questions, Justin. Because you done watched it happen. You saw it. You witnessed it. When your feeble attempts to beat these these godlike enemies with Captain America failed, who saved the day with the nunchuck? Donate on cap. Donate on cap. <laughs> and just, you know, and just so everybody knows, and, and just so we make this perfectly clear, it was Moon Knight with the nunchucks. And the funniest thing about that, and I think the reason why they were so effective, is for the same reason why Moon Knight really doesn't use nunchucks in the comics, because then he would destroy the Marvel Universe and kill everybody, because he'd be unstoppable. So oh, if it makes you feel any better, they they have they have scaled him back in the comics by just not giving him nunchucks. So if that makes you feel any better, Justin, the reason why all these superheroes are doing shit in the comics is because Moon Knight allows them to because he hasn't killed them because he hasn't brought out the nunchuck. Oh boy. Just just take solace in that. But we'll we'll round this out now with Heather. What is your worst Oscar winning moment? So mine is sort of along the same lines as you with how boring you thought Logan was. <laughs> For me, um 1991 best picture at the Oscars was Dances with Wolves. And I just, I can't. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> what, that it was boring? Because it was. Oh, it was, I'm sorry for everybody who likes that movie. Like, no offense to everybody involved in making that movie. Kevin Costner is great, whatever. But I, it was really boring to me. It's not a movie that I remember hardly anything about. And I've seen it many times, many times as a kid, to be fair, but it just was never something that I feel like I could watch all the way through without either having to stop at some point and come back to it or falling asleep while watching it. It's a very long movie and it's very slow, in my opinion. And it also that year was up against 
Goodfellas, Godfather 3, Ghost. And I just feel like compared with those movies alone, you, it just should not have won. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You say that, yet you only said one other good movie. You named four total if you count like Dances with Wolves, Ghost, Godfather 3, and Goodfellas. Of those four movies, only two of them are good. Ghost? Like, what? Really? Ghost? Ghost I love that movie. I'll say that motion. Ghost of the shit. Ghost is a movie. Ghost is a movie. I'll I'll give you that. It's a better movie than Dances with Wolves. More entertaining, that's for sure. Well, I mean, yeah, because, I mean, Patrick Swayze died in it. That's cool. I'll take that. Oh, my. Um, But, I mean, Goodfellas is the only other good movie in those four you named. I mean, say what you will about Kevin Costner. I mean, the man makes a good Western, and that's what Dances with Wolves is. Uh, at its heart, it's a dramatic Western, which is, you know, is a big uh, change of pace for a lot of Westerns and stuff like that. But, like, ultimately, that's what it is. And that's what that man does amazingly. I mean, it's just the man knows how to do it. And, yeah, Kevin Costner is great. Is what Don't get me wrong. It. Don't get me wrong. I love Kevin Don't Costner. Don't say it. Don't finish that sentence. <laughs> Anyways. <Don't do> it. <laughs> I'm just saying, in my opinion, I just do not think that that was a good call. To have that win Best Picture, that is yeah, all. Yeah, but saying. apparently, apparently, two people gyrating, making a clay pots, fucking entertainment. Oh my. Okay. Well, one person's opinion. I'm just saying, for me personally, that was that was my Logan of the year. Okay, so there. Hey, hey, hey! Don't you dare equate those two. <laughs> it's too late. Don't I already you, did. Don't you dare do that, because unlike Logan. Dancing with Dances with Wolves is a good movie. Okay, well, you know, good for you, but I'm just saying. That's my so opinion. So say it the world. So say it the world. <laughs> okay, all just right. Just like the world all secretly hates Logan, the world all openly loves Dances with Wolves. That's all I'm saying. Somebody else somebody else say something before I go on a 90-minute rant on why I Dances something with to Wolves say. is amazing. <clears throat> I have something Please, to say. because, Have no. you ever noticed that if you chew peanuts long enough, you're pretty much making peanut butter? I have not ever noticed that. And no. on that note, Justin, do you have anything that actually has to do with these movies? <laughs> wow. Um, where do I even begin? No, um, but I think I think I agree with Heather here. Um, I do think that Dances with Wolves. All of you are out your damn minds. All of you out your damn minds. No, I'm, I'm, it's not a bad movie, but I do wonder if that wasn't a snub, though. When it took that win, I do. That's another one that I'm kind of iffy about. Yeah. The only sure. movie that I think could have reasonably won and it not be upsetting would have been Goodfellas. If Goodfellas had won over Dances with Wolves, that, that would have been fine. Are you, been like, okay, you know what yeah, happened? You saw the biggest. If it would have won, yeah. then Scorsese wouldn't have won for fucking Departed. If that would have won. So you fucking think about what you're saying. You think about the consequences of your goddamn well, actions. And that's, and that's fine. No, that's fine. That's fine. If if Goodfellas if Goodfellas won, then that's fine. Because well no, I think I still think he would have won Best Director for The Departed. He still could have won Best Picture or I mean Director for that. Just because I mean, you know, he he won Best Picture for one movie doesn't necessarily mean he can't win Best Director for another. That's fine. I'm okay with that. He he still would have won Best Director cuz he still would have been given that lifetime achievement. And I think they actually might have done it sooner if that was the case because then he would have had a movie that had won best picture, but they still hadn't given him best director. 
he can win Best Picture but can't win Best Director, they would have given it to him sooner if Goodfellas had Meaning won. Meaning that Departed would not have been the winner once again. Which is fine. if he, As long as he gets it, that's all that really matters. Like I said, The Departed's good, but it's not his best. So that's fine if he wins it for another one. He could say he he could have won for uh, could have won Kings for Casino, bitch. Say he could have <laughs> won for any number of other things. But Goodfellas is the only one on those lists that is comparable to Dances with Wolves. Like all y'all out your damn minds. Dances yeah. with Wolves is amazing. And, and 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 you said the one that that's the one I kind of look at where I'm like, man, should it have won over Goodfellas? So I could definitely see where Heather's coming from. As a person who has never seen Dances but, with Wolves and, and has no yeah. interest to watch it ever. Nope. Nah, I'm not going to do it. it once. To be honest with you, you I'm not going to do man. it. Just one. No. If you have I 90 really hours to. to spare. Because I've seen. No, you got to. I've seen. You got to see what is actually I've a seen good version of Avatar. Clips of Dancing with Wolves. And not one fucking time is he dancing with like a, a really big wolf and like a ball or something. And uh, <laughs> I'm let, let down. down. <laughs> I'm yeah, let that, down. That's, all right. All right. See, that's a played out joke. Oh, that's a played out joke because people were making that joke in 1991. Played out joke. See, that's the Madagascar American Beauty moment. Defensive that's a, of that's a classic walls. joke that is stood the test of time. Movie. It's the Godfather of jokes, damn bitch. Test of time. Still making motherfuckers laugh. No, no, it's it's the Madagascar. He didn't even metaphorically dance with the fucking wolf. Fuck that movie, man. Yeah. Goodfellas, dude. If <laughs> he did, but you, you, he did, but you wouldn't know that because you hadn't seen the movie. Because it's all about them metaphors. Now. Anyways. Yeah. That's just, just one person's see, opinion. See, like, no, no, I'm, I'm back on this. All right. So you really do need to see Dancing with Wolves because it really is. It's a good version of Avatar. It's a good version of Pocahontas. It's a good version of all these movies like that. It's a slightly less good version of The Last of the Mohicans. It's a good version of Last Samurai. See, it's a good version of a white person telling other people how to win shit. It's a good version of that. Duly noted. I still <laughs> just feel like it was boring. <laughs> I mean, it really is. It really is up there in the top tier of a white person saving another culture type of movie. It's a good version of that. Yeah, that very sounds well like acted, one of my well movies. Together. Especially if it's the first time you listen to podcasts. <laughs> that sounds like something I really enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you've defended, you've defended <laughs> Avatar to me before. So if you can defend Avatar, you might as well watch a good version of it. First of all. The only thing I've ever said about Avatar is you cannot deny the technical brilliance of the movie. I ain't never said, hey, Avatar is great and I know what the fucking problem is. That's never shit. It's just never been said no. to me. No, no, no. No, that wasn't the argument because the argument was the cultural relevance of it. And you defended the cultural relevance of Avatar. That's what I'm saying. You might as well watch. <coughs> oh, whoa. Wow. You might as well watch a good no, no, version of it. That's all I'm saying. No, that's not. It's still just because something's cultural doesn't mean it's good. good okay. Like, you know, listen, a good person. I'm not down with white man saves brown people. All right. Or red people or yellow ones either. I'm just not down with it. (laughs) Tired of that shit. It's never happened in history and it's not going to happen. So stop with that fantasy. See, but you might as well watch a good version of it, though, just to show you why other people jumped on that track. I'm just saying. And then embrace the truth of history. I'll do that. Hey, you don't know that this didn't happen. This could have truthfully happened in history. You don't know. We have no you totally way have a way of knowing. This is a fabrication. So, as far as I know, as far as I know, this is a historically accurate event. And I watched a little window into history because that's what Kevin Costner does in that movie. Takes us back in time. 
He time travels for us. Well, you can, you he know, time I, travels for if us. you want to watch that this weekend, that's cool. I would rather watch Ghosts. I'm just saying. I mean, or yeah, if you want to watch up, in, if you want to watch up until the scene where Patrick Swayze dies, which is the one good scene in that movie, that's fine. Oh boy. But it's kind of all downhill from there, and it kind of happens very early in the movie. That's all I'm saying. But we will now move on to some honorable mentions, uh, a best or worst. Just real quick, we don't really need explanations. Just tell us what is an honorable mention, a best or worst uh, that would fit into this. Uh, Heather, we'll start with you. Honorable mention. Um, I did mention for one of my favorite wins was Crash, but um, slightly above that, Wind and Zell won for Training Day. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, he was phenomenal in that role. He's phenomenal in everything, but he won for the role that he is not used to playing. Um, and I love that. I love that that's what he won for. And he it was super well-deserved and he was just fantastic in every way. So for me, it's going to be my next favorite Oscar win was Denzel winning for Training Day. Devin, what about I'm you? I'm going for worse. And this is, once again, the controversy. Um, I, you already brought it up, but I'm going to say it again. Um, Shawshank loses to Forrest Gump. Should have never happened. And, and here's the thing about the Oscars. Mm. You know, we are, we've already <laughs> talked about this. Like Saving Private, Private Ryan doesn't have this great ending that makes you feel all warm inside. Um, neither the, sh- uh, neither does, I mean, Shaw- Shawshank most definitely does, but nowhere near as, um, sugary sweet as Forrest Gump when it comes right down to it. And this shows that formulaic Oscar movie win this historical fiction type of movie that, that would dominate the Oscars in the, the early 1990s. And, and, and I just, Mm. Do not like that it beats Shawshank. It hurts me because Shawshank should be an Oscar winning film without a doubt. Yeah. Justin, what about you? Well, for me, and this is one that I think we might have lightly mentioned or we probably mentioned it on other podcasts, but it's time to just go ahead and address it. Why does Suicide Squad have an Oscar? It just (laughs) (laughs) really angers me when... DC fanboys who know that that film sucks can say the Academy Award winning <laughs> Suicide oh, Squad. No. <laughs> and I just hate when I hear that because I know they're being facetious, but I can't say anything about it because it is true. That movie has <laughs> won an Oscar. And I want to say, was it, what is, what was it for? Sound editing or maybe it was no, like, no, I think it was it, makeup, wasn't it? Or, Oh, it, it was makeup. It was makeup or or costumes. Okay, okay, yeah. So it was one of those. Yeah, minute Oscars. Just well, not minute. I can't say it's not important, but yes, it won an Oscar for one of those categories where you just and when it happened, I want to say that my my jaw hit the floor. I couldn't believe of all the movies that were there nominated for that, they gave it to Suicide Squad. So now I have to hear about Suicide Squad winning an Academy Award. And now it was best it was, makeup, by the way. Okay. Best, best makeup. makeup. Okay. So now, yes, I have to deal with that. And, and I hate that I have to deal with that. <laughs> so yeah, there's mine. That's fair. Yes. Um, I'll change it up. I'll give a best, uh, I loved when Daniel Day won for uh, "There Will Be Blood." I second that. Um, it was it was one of those it was one of those performances that was just all encompassing, and it was amazing. And he was so just um, 
just fucking stellar with that entire performance. I mean, I've never heard a more like a milkshake be like that menacing. Like that was like such a menacing way to reference such a delightful treat uh, with that end scene. And I mean, so much so that it it developed jokes and memes and everything behind it. When a lot of people hadn't even seen that movie, they still knew the whole I drink your milkshake, I drink it all up. Like people were still referencing that without even having seen the movie. And just the way he delivered that line and what it was about too of I'm stealing your shit and there's not a damn thing you can do about it. Like, oh, it was so fucking good. Like everything about that. Drainage. And then and then a weird thing. And this might not be true, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I don't give a fuck. Apparently, that movie or that character is based on one of Johnny Menzel's. That's right. Johnny Football. One of his relatives, like one of his ancestors. Like I want to say it was like his great, great grandfather or something, because Johnny Manziel does come from money and it had to do with oil and stuff like that. And the, the rumor is that that was based on one of his relatives. Uh, like I said, like his great, great grandfather or something like that, because uh, it was based on a real character. Um so yeah, just a little interesting fact about that. But other than that, guys, thank you for listening. Visit the website, www.cinemaslayers.com. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter with that cinema underscore slayers. Find us on Instagram at that cinema slayers. Um, check out our Threadless store. All that stuff. We've got a lot of fun things coming your way. We're going to have some more fan interaction. Let us know what your favorite, best, or worst uh, Oscar moments are. Let us know. Um Movies that you're excited to see and everything like that. We do have a full slate of movies coming your way this year. It's, I mean, there, it feels like we're going to have some weeks on end where we're just reviewing movies for you guys on this podcast. And I mean, we're going to enjoy everything about it. And, you know, just a quick thing. Uh, some of the first reactions to Captain Marvel has come out and I'm now more excited about it. Like I've said before, I'm kind of apathetic with Marvel movies, but getting excited now because it's getting close getting some of that fan reaction to it already and as justin said earlier remember guys moon knight is a best picture winner mm-hmm.